Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. It's time for the church to acknowledge that we have brothers and sisters who are gay. LGBTs have to find a household of worship that reflects what your views are and what you believe. A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. What's not loving is to look someone in the eye when God says they are in jeopardy of an eternity in hell and merely wink and nod at their sin because you're afraid of being called names. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. Pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, chip, chip, chip. talk a lot, pick a little more, pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, chip, chip, This chip, is Wretched Radio. Talk, it ain't cheap. According to the Bible, your words have power. No, we did not become a word faith ministry, but the Bible makes it clear. What comes out of our mouths does indeed contain power. The question, of course, is what kind of power? The Word Faith Movement would tell you that if you have a lot of faith, your words act as containers. So you stuff your faith into your words, you speak it, and it becomes reality. It's a bibbidi-bobbidi-boo kind of theology, but that's not how the Bible speaks about the power of your words. Instead, the Bible, loaded throughout the Proverbs, says your words actually have power because they affect people, not because they are mystically powerful and can somehow reorder an outcome. No, we don't have that kind of word power, but the words that we speak have power to either bring life or to bring death. Every single word that comes out of our mouths has an opportunity to do something. It will either build up or it will tear down. Let's let the Bible persuade us. It's really important that we understand how we use our mouths and why we should perhaps use our mouths better. And the fruit of it will be magnificent. Not only will you be building up people. You will also be limiting the number of conflicts that you have. Hmm, are you intrigued now? And third, you're going to be acting more like God. Proverbs 18.21, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. The question is, which kind of words are we going to speak? Words that bring life or words that bring death? There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hmm. hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. You got any of that dissension in your world? Your relationship with your children, your relationship with your spouse, fellow workers, people at church? Are your words promoting war and death, or are they promoting life and goodness? Because they are, and you have the choice as to which you will be producing. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A perverse man, you want to know what a perverse man looks like? You're probably thinking, 
like it's some dude in a raincoat. No, 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 no. You're maybe thinking some guy sitting in front of his computer screen for the 10th time this week. Nope. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. God is serious about our tongues and our words matter. A wicked man listens to evil lips. A liar pays attention to a malicious tongue. Listen to the words that are used to describe the individual who uses his words poorly. The words of a gossip, they're like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Question, how are you using your words? Let's let a number of questions, a self-examination from a book titled War of Words, Getting to the Heart of Your Communication Struggles by Paul Tripp, perhaps allow you and me to analyze how we're doing when it comes to using our words. Isn't that funny? We used to say that to our kids. Use your words. Well, God would actually say that to us as adults. Use your words and use them wisely. Question number one. Does your talk with others lead to biblical problem solving? You can just camp on that and ponder that for a bit if you'd like to. Do your words promote a biblical solution? First of all, what is a biblical solution? Am I even thinking in terms of a biblical solution? What do you mean a biblical solution? I want the kids to just shut up. That's not a biblical solution. Question number two, does your talk have a stand together or a me against him, her, them posture. Now, please note, Trip is not providing an option, a panoply of pronouns for you to choose. He's just being respectful of the genders that do exist. Does your talk have a stand together or it's me against everybody else posture? Number three, do your words encourage others to be open and honest about their thoughts and feelings? That's a really tough question. Ask your spouse, especially you, gentlemen. Ask your wife. Honey, do you feel free to talk to me about anything? You might be surprised. She says, well, not everything. That could be an indicator that your words are not consistently producing life. Number four, are you approachable and teachable or defensive and self-protective when talking with others? Number five, is your communication healthy in the principal relationships in your life? Parent, child, okay, this is, look, this is a tough one. You got teenagers. How's your communication with them? And you, I get it, it's valid to say they are a tough nut to crack. I grant you that is true. They tend to be guarded, shielded, but the question would be why? Why, why are they protective around me? Am I using my mouth in a way that causes them to say, I'm sorry, I can't be transparent with you, Pop. How are your communications with your primary relationships? Husband, wife, extended family, sibling relationships, employer, employee, friend to friend, in the church, neighbor to neighbor. Number six. Does your talk encourage faith and personal spiritual growth in those around you? <laughs> that would change the way that you are married and you parent forever. If you and I could get a handle on this question, does my talk 
encourage faith and personal spiritual growth in those around you. Hey, knock it off. Well, it got the job done. They stopped. Did it encourage personal growth? Did it cause them to love Jesus more? Oh, well, that would, that would change the way I talk. If my agenda were to build up and not just get compliance, well, well that might change the way I use my words. Bingo. Do you talk with others to develop relationships with them, or do you only talk to solve problems during times of trouble? Maybe that applies to you, but do you speak humble and honest words of confession when you sin and words of sincere forgiveness when others sin against you? Maybe a question that would need to precede that one is, does that ever happen in your relationships? Repentance and forgiveness? You could have that be a part of the table talk, and it will make a massive difference in your home. Do your words reflect a willingness to serve others or a demand that they serve you? Number 10, as you face struggles of talk, do you do so with a recognition of the gospel, thinking about God's forgiveness, his grace, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit? How are you doing with your words? Convicted? Check, 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 and check. The question then becomes, how do I turn a corner? How do I start using my words to build up? In this particular book called War of Words by Paul David Tripp, he starts in the exact right place, theology. Because if you simply run to application and give some speaking tips, some word advice, it has no power, it can't last, you will not have the correct motivation. So why should we think about using our words better? It starts at creation. Another answer for us. God speaks. That's what we see. God creates and then he speaks. He communicates and he imbues and does. He gives human beings the ability to do likewise because we are the vice regents that he has assigned to run the place. And he's given us the ability to speak and to use words. And it is a privilege as human beings. And that is why I think we need to start using this word more. Anthropology. We need to have a right anthropology. You want your words to be better? You want your conflicts to lessen? Probably the first place to start would be understanding that God is a communicating God, and we are the only ones to whom he has given that gift. That's, that's a higher anthropology. Your words matter. God has given you the ability to do what he does. From the book, words are powerful, important, significant. It was meant to be that way. When we speak, it must be with the realization that God has given our words significance. He has ordained for them to be important. Words are significant at creation and at the fall and at redemption. God has given words value. If your words have been tearing down and not building up, let us start building a new way to go about the business of communicating to avoid a war of words. This is Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby courtesy of an ultrasound from 
preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. As someone who listens and consumes our content on a regular basis, you've probably experienced the impact that our programs like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transform can have on your life and the life of those you share them with. But did you know that we also rely on the support of our listeners just like you, not only to listen to our content, but also with help in producing our content. Your generous donations help us to reach more people with the gospel. That's why we're asking you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Your support can make a huge difference in our ability to continue our mission and to reach more people with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So would you consider it? Would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner? If you're ready to stand firm with us, just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible in into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math, it's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100, maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Books of the Bible. Ezekiel was a prophet and priest in Israel. The language in the book of Ezekiel is often symbolic and figurative, but the message is clear. God rules over and judges men and nations. When you are tempted by sin, Ezekiel reminds us that God is holy and has called his people to holiness. He will go to great lengths to purge evil from among them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Want less fighting? Have a higher Anthropology. This is Wretched Radio. Paul David Tripp, a book, War of Words, Getting to the Heart of Your Communication Struggles, helps us to establish a correct anthropology. Now, of course, to have a correct anthropology, you have to have a correct theology proper, which is why he begins this book, which is oh so practical eventually. With theology, you got to have a theological base. That is the foundation out of which application grows. You can't separate the two. Theology proper tells us that God communicates 
the first thing that we see God doing with a human being is using words to communicate. And that's what we see happening from Adam. The first thing that we see Adam do is speak. Why? Because God is a communicating God who has given human beings, not zebras, not sea slugs, human beings, the ability to use words. And that should set us on a new trajectory of communication. Whoa. What I say is a big deal. I'm not talking about a word faith kind of way. That's just unbiblical and oh so damaging. I'm talking about in a biblical way that our words actually have power. And the way that we must be first persuaded to start changing our words is to recognize the significance of our words from the book. You do not really understand the significance of words until you realize the first words that human ears ever heard were not the words of another human being, but the words of God. The value of every piece of human communication is rooted in the fact that God speaks. When God chose to reveal himself, he raised talk to a place of highest significance as his primary vehicle of truth. In Genesis 1, the world of communication was a world of peace, truth, and life. Words were not used as weapons. Truth was not used to tear down. Words always spoken in love. Always. Imagine what that would be like. And human communication never broke the bonds of peace. The infinite and almighty one makes himself knowable and understandable through human language. Now, he put it in print also, but those are words. And they're, they're not just words. They're important. So the Bee Gees were wrong. It's only words. And words are all I have. Bad theology, Bee Gees. I think that was the Bee Gees. They were one of you. were into the disco scene, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I see you wearing those bell bottoms all the time. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Words are really important. Why? Because God speaks. That means the next thing that you say is important. The next minor interaction that you have with an individual, they're important. I got to tell you, there's some people I know who just shine in this department, absolutely shine. And you, 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 you just, when you're done communicating with them, it's like, wow, I wish I could be like that. Well, the answer is you could, but it has to start with the recognition that our words are important and they are valuable and they are indeed powerful. You've got to start with God communicating, revealing himself to us in terms we can get. That's where the perspective change has to begin. From Paul Tripp's book, God's words set boundaries and give freedom. His words create life and bring death. God created talk and his first words to Adam and Eve demonstrate its significance. Words are not cheap. Words reveal, define, explain, and shape. And what a cool concept. <laughs> this is just another divine pointer, isn't it? What? Would you have thought of this? That somehow their vocal cords would flap together in a particular way because your brain would tell it exactly what to do without you even thinking about it because you've learned that there are symbols that can represent reality, verbs, nouns, pronouns, and you can then share what it is that you're thinking, which is another God concept, 
and share it with another individual who would have the receptors to actually hear it through those two devices on the side of their head. That's, whoa, and I get to do that? Every time we speak, we should be thinking about anthropology. Adam and Eve's ability to communicate in words made them unique in all of creation. They could take their thoughts, desires, and emotions and share them. They were like God. They could talk. The problem is there was more talking that happened in the garden. Satan comes along, and what does he do? He uses words. Are you sure God said that? So what he said to you? And what does he do? He causes them to sin. Well, he didn't cause them. They chose to sin. He was the vehicle. And they chose to respond, hearing his words, believing his words of poison. And what did it bring? It brought death. Would you like your words to be better? Would you like for there to be less conflict in your marriage, your relationship with your kids and, well, everybody else? Imagine what our lives would be like if all of our words were spoken out of perfect submission to God. What would that look like? The problems that we have, would they change if your words fell underneath the authority of God? We say what we want to say, when and how we want to say it. We speak as if we are in charge and we have the right to say what we want to gain control of whatever it is that we want to do. And that's what we'll tackle next time when we talk about communication. But this time, we need to talk about the importance of what it is that we're doing when we open up our Yammer. The reason that the book has the subtitle, Getting to the Heart of Your Communication Struggles, is because the heart is the problem with our communication. Just think about the interactions you have with somebody that goes sour. What is your agenda? It's probably easiest for you to think about your kids or your parents. What are you, what are you driving for when you get into an argument? When tempers flare, when the, when the heat gets hotter, and when the words are used destructively, what do you want? Do you want to glorify God or do you want to get your own way? And that's the heart of the struggle, isn't it? Uh, we'll unpack that more, but Ted Tripp labors long and hard to help us get why it is so crucial that we, first of all, have a correct anthropology and understanding what it is that we are doing. From the book, every word that we speak is rooted either in the truth or in a lie. Most of our communication problems come because we deceive, distort, and manipulate with our words. We reshape the facts to our advantage. We recast events, often to the point of convincing ourselves that our perspective is true. Why? Because we don't stop and ask ourselves, how would God evaluate and respond to this situation? How, here it is, look at your bracelet. How would Jesus talk to my kids? Can you imagine Jesus coming in and talking the way that you do to your kids? Now, maybe you can, because you, maybe this is, you have grown in this area. Praise God for that. A lot of a struggle. Would Jesus adopt our tone, or is it possible we need to adopt his tone, that we need to be the ones who change how we go about doing it? This is a principle, writes Tripp, you don't want to miss. Word problems are often interpretation problems. 
We don't say the right thing because we're not believing the right thing. That's the garden. Nothing but trouble. Adam and Eve heard and believed an interpretation that was not consistent with God's. So Satan deceives because it was a new interpretation. And we buy that interpretation. And we, we can do that all by ourselves, can't we? And we interpret our events, whatever the issue du jour happens to be, based on what perspective? Based on what perspective? We'll get to your perspective, but is it a perspective that says, I want my words to bring life to this situation. I want my words to build up. I don't want to use my words to get my way or to vent or to just let it fly because it feels good to give you a hoo-hoo-hoo. Is my desire to build you up. God never speaks to you in a way to tear you down. It is always to build you up. You say, wait a second, there's admonitions in the Bible, right? How are they delivered? Consider how they're delivered. They're always wrapped in the love of God. Why? Because he desires our best. He uses his words. God doesn't use words to belittle or to just stomp and fume. Oh, you idiot children. Oh, nope. He always uses words to express truth with the goal of helping and loving and encouraging and building up and leading to flourishing. If you're struggling with your words, might I encourage you to reconsider your anthropology and your understanding of the power of your words? This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Topping the news today, the Crown Prosecution Service in the UK, better known as the CPS, has traveled down a road most entities have started to travel down, redefining what things mean. And the CPS, well, they're redefining what domestic abuse is. How, you ask? Well, now they've included not footing the bill for a spouse's elective gender reassignment surgery. That's right. So, guys, you marry a woman, she decides, ah, well, you know, I want to be a man. And if you, as the husband, don't pay for that gender reassignment surgery, well, now, in the UK, you are a domestic abuser. <sighs> Do you remember the good old days when men who married women wanted to be married to women and that was okay? My, how the times have changed. Back to the U.S. in Springfield, Illinois, a young swimmer, nearly 16 years old, was recently dismissed from her YMCA swim team because she voiced her concern over a transgender individual using the women's locker room. So she had concern about a boy, a biological male, coming into the women's locker room. And let's be clear, she wasn't asking for much. She just wanted a heads up to other swim team members about the situation and also suggested that the individual use the family changing area. Unfortunately, those attempts were labeled as hate speech and she was expelled from the team. Yeah, don't you just love the America we're living in right now? A recent article reported a near tripling in students that identify as LGBT at Brown University. 
Now, 38% of students identify as, quote, non-straight, which is a considerable jump from 14% back in 2010. And an increase this large, this steep, makes you kind of wonder if this is a result in actual shifts in sexuality or just the trendy wave students decide they want to ride. I'm going to go with the latter. Well, in Kansas, the ongoing battle between accurate information and subjective self-identification was brought into the spotlight as a state judge issued a restraining order that halts the practice of allowing trans-identifying individuals to change their sex on their driver's license. And the latest chapter here in the story of law versus preference gives the upper hand to the law for now, at least until it's changed which probably won't take much longer, unfortunately. And finally, in the case of potential censorship, Kirk Cameron, Little Growing Pain, has called for a federal investigation into the American Library Association. Cameron's alleging that the association advised libraries to block his upcoming nationwide event. Yeah, you can't do that these days, unless, of course, you want to dress and drag. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is the ability to discern between true and false spirits. Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and many false teachers present their lies as God's truth. But God has given us His truth, and He has equipped us to tell true from false in accordance with His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You're busy? You engage in word wars, don't you worry, we are your solution. And this is Wretched Radio. If you're a busy person who struggles with communicating well all the time, producing life as opposed to tearing down and producing death, you could read Paul Tripp's book, War of Words, Getting to the Heart of Your Communication Struggles. But we're here to save you time. You don't have to read the book. Instead, you could spend a few minutes listening to comedian Brian Regan, who gets to the heart of our communication struggles. I was at a dinner party recently. A bunch of people that I don't know. One guy talking plenty for everybody. Me, myself, right? And then I, and then myself, right? Me, me. I couldn't tell this one about I because I was talking about myself. And then me, 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 me. Beware the me monster. <laughs> Those are fit words, well spoken. The me monster, it is I. It is you. And that is the heart of our communication struggles. There is an idol that sits so often on the top of our hearts that causes the words that we use to communicate to tear down. What is that idol? Me, me, me. I love me and I want my way. And I want you to make my life better. So I want you to respond and do what I tell you to do. Wrong, 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 and wrong. Now, maybe just maybe the words that you choose to communicate from the heart of a me monster are right. But I can assure you they will not be effective. You say, well, what, how could that possibly be if what I'm saying is true? Uh, that's, a, that's a word aptly spoken. But then, then why won't it work? Because God hasn't set it up that way. 
God has not designed the universe, a.k.a. reality, to function without some rules. You can call them spiritual, metaphysical laws if you like. That's just fine. But God has baked into communication principles, laws, if you will. And that means if I don't follow those laws, no matter how right I am, the words will not produce what I want. For instance, I'm going to communicate right now with Jimmy. Hey, hey. you're going to get that Gifford podcast for Transform done by noon or what? We sure. got to have it there, man. Okay. All right. So I, I communicated truth. Uh-huh. I said everything that is right. How did that how did that go down, Jimmy? I mean, I heard you. I didn't like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it won't be effective. You say, wait a second, though. What if Jimmy gets that thing done by noon or whatever? I say, yeah, he did. But that's not my goal. My goal in communicating with Jimmy isn't to get Jimmy to do what I want Jimmy to do. That's not my goal. And if that if if I even say something right, I say it wrongly, I'm not going to accomplish the ideal goal, which is to build him up. It is to speak in such a way that encourages him, that grows him, strengthens him, empowers him, gives him joy. That's my goal. And so if I speak truth, but I do it in a snippy kind of way or an angry kind of way, it won't work. You're thinking about your kids right now, aren't you? You are thinking because you, you, you say, well, I yell at them and they do what they're told. Yep. Is that the goal? It is if you're a me monster. That's, that's the heart of a me monster expressing itself, exposing itself. You just want them to make your life better at the moment. You do this or I'm telling you, I am going to. That's a really good question to ask. You do this or else what? Or else what? Just think it through for a moment. You clean your room or what's really going on in the heart of a me monster? Or I'm going to have to do it and I don't feel like cleaning another room. (laughs) Or I've got company coming over and if they walk by your room, they're going to think that we live in a pigsty. It's about me. It's about me. Why do you want your kid to clean their room? Why do you want your kid to hold their fork and their knife correctly? Why do you want them to speak respectfully? What's, what's, what's behind it? And all too often, what's behind it is me, 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 get good grades or what? Or ah, uh, you're not going to get a scholarship. And that means I'm going to have to have two jobs and work all the time to pay for it so that you're not on the dole and you're not living in the basement anymore. It's all about me. It's all about I. That's, that's the wrong motivation. And so you can speak truth. you got to get good grades or you're just going to be a flunky. All right, well, that's true. As a rule, that's probably a decent principle. Is it going to help your child? It's going to move your child? Going to motivate your child? No. Now. What if I don't speak it in such a hostile tone? Son, you get good grades or you're going to be a flunky. Okay. It's, 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 it's less bitter, perhaps. But shouldn't there be more to my communication to my child? Son, let's talk about education. Let's talk about why God wants us to get smarterer. 
Let's talk about what it means to be a human being, to be an image bearer of God, and how he wants us to work, and how he wants us to subdue the planet, and what is in front of you that might help you to be more godlike. Now we can talk about your education. That's that's having a different agenda. That's having a different goal. And the reason that so often I just want conformity and not a building up is because I'm a me monster. And so are you, Paul Tripp. The problem with our words is an intensely spiritual one, a problem of the human heart. We need to recognize the war of words is actually the fruit of a greater, more fundamental war. This war is the war of wars. It is what life is about. Paul refers to the war in Ephesians 6. Our struggle, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a battle going on inside of my heart. Battle going on inside of your heart. And when you and I fail to recognize that we are all too often acting like mere me monsters, you're going to be that guy forever. So I tried to jump in with a little story. I don't want to just sit there the whole night. Right when I'm done with my story, this guy goes, that ain't nothing. Didn't mean to waste everybody's time. (laughs) Telling my nothing story. Here, let Marco Polo speak. He's back with tales of adventure. (laughs) He saw me monster. Jesus' victory gained for us the ability to live at peace with him and with one another. That gives a completely different perspective on the fight about who gets the bathroom first. Who ate the last of the family's favorite cereal? The problem of these moments goes beyond the surface issue of too many people, too few bathrooms, too many empty boxes of cereal. We are, we are what is wrong in each situation. We are the common element in all of our communication problems. And it is crucial we neither minimize our problem by saying that those moments aren't important. Well, they are, but you can't give in to cynicism saying, well, there's no way that this is ever going to get better. Those moments matter. That is life. But there is hope of substantial change because Jesus Christ, the Word, has given us every resource we need to speak as we are meant to speak. Let's say you're a wife who's in a difficult conversation with your hubby. There are things available to you, power available, riches in your storehouse. Maybe you're a worker struggling with a critical boss. Everything you need to speak in a godly way has already been given to you in Christ. Mom or dad, you got another day with that teenager, that mouthy, lippy teenager. And you think, I'm exhausted and I'm exasperated. I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. Don't do that all the riches you need to move beyond what is probably your own hurt and anger, which can be very valid, and to function as an instrument of the Lord has been given to you. The word has come, and he has riches and power available to you, and he can even help you to tame that tongue. This is why James goes on and on about the power of the tongue. And we need 
to start asking some questions that could perhaps help us to communicate better and bring more peace to our relationships. And might I suggest correct theology, understanding that God communicates and speaks, a correct anthropology, that we have the blessing of being the only thing in creation that can do what God does when he communicates. And third, recognize I'm a me monster. And when I start communicating with whomever, I would do well to ask myself the question, what is my goal? Is it to please myself or is it to speak like Jesus and build up? This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-BIBLE. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. 
Jesus is called our Passover. During the first Passover, God spared those whose doors were covered with the blood of a lamb. When we trust in Christ, we are covered by His blood so that we are spared from God's wrath. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. That would be the sound of a slew o emails. That's right, a slew o emails. This is Wretched Radio. A number of contributions to this here program. So edifying, so helpful. Would love it if you would do likewise. And set, when you hear me yammering and you think I've got it wrong, you think there's something that you could add to it, please send it. Now, of course, I'll just take credit for it. Because that's what talk shows do. I'll never admit that I'm wrong because, well, that's against the talk show code of ethics. But love it when you send stuff. Jimmy, this first email might give me an opportunity to practice what Paul Tripp's been preaching about using our words. Okay, how so? Mm, this is from Amanda. Mr. Friel, Jimmy is right. Uh, oh. What, what, what words are you going to use, Ty? <laughs> Let me just tell you what I think about Amanda, who clearly wasn't listening very carefully. Oh, no. What would you say to Amanda, Jimmy? Amanda is going places in this world. See, now, why would it be that the same three words elicit two different responses? And the answer is we're me monsters. <laughs> those, those three words sang to you. They were like nails on a chalkboard to me. Why? Because <laughs> we're me monsters. Here's what she said. Q-tips are bad for your ears. Okay. Yes, they are. That's irrelevant. <laughs> the point is a number of people, they wrote in with advice because of you. They thought I had waxy ear buildup. <laughs> because you, Dr. Hicks, no. diagnosed my ear problem as being wax buildup. That's what Google told me. Uh, well, enough said. <laughs> It's, I'm sure it's blood pressure. It's got to be blood pressure or when I just don't drink enough water. I don't think that my thick blood can get up to my brain. And it causes that echoey sound inside of my ear that goes away when I simply bend over and I get more blood to my brain. Hmm. That's not a waxy ear buildup. Okay. Thank you for repenting like that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Email number two. Uh, this is really good stuff. From Jason. This is why you need to write us emails. This was after the Southern Baptist Convention took place, and there was a strengthening, a strengthening of the adherence that a church must have to the Baptist faith and message. Currently, it reads that you have to closely identify with it. Well, that cracks the door open, doesn't it? This is an email from Jason. I'm a Ph.D. student at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I saw your YouTube clip on the convention and the language of closely identifies for cooperating churches. I was a messenger there, and I put forward a motion to change this language, which is now in committee with the executive committee. Well done, dude. I move that the SBC amend the language of its constitution, specifically Article 3, Section 1, where it reads closely identifies to in accordance so that a cooperating church would be identified as a church whose faith and practice are in accordance with the convention's statement of faith. Well done, dude. Let's hope that flies. He writes, maybe if you could let people know, 
it might help the motion to possibly come out of committee before the messengers for the SBC 24 for a vote. That would be a most awesome thing. Dude, way to go. Just way to go. I, I, I don't know if, if, if we all appreciate the bigness of what happened at the SBC convention this year. That was a that was a big deal. Methodists are slip sliding away. The Episcopalians, they're gone, gone, gone. Lutherans and the Sparkle Creed. Now, not the confessional Lutherans. I'm talking about the wacky ELCA. So wasn't it nice to see that the SBC went, no, we're gonna be serious about this. We're gonna we're gonna have to be in alignment with our beliefs. Otherwise, well, we can't be in cooperation. We can't be working together. And we've unpacked all of the implications of that, but a strengthening most certainly is better than a weakening. And I will also add this. If you haven't been encouraged lately, those those Supreme Court rulings that came down about a week or two ago, those were big deals. This specifically the one in Colorado, the website designer who was was engaged by somebody who wanted her to violate her conscience and build a LGBTQ affirming website. She said, I can't do it. Went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court six to three backed her. Oh, that's a big deal. If that hadn't happened, woo, I, the brakes would be off at that point. The break, That was a really significant ruling. There were others that were significant. I think that's the big one of the year. Back to uh, the mailbag. This might be helpful. Sent in from Rebecca. Trail USA was mentioned as a Christian alternative. That is a great option for boys because the Boy Scouts, do they, why don't they just call themselves Scouts? Maybe that's, maybe that's too gender specific. They're, 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 not wanting to identify boy, that girls can be in the Boy Scouts and boys can be in the Girl Scouts. Oikes. So the USA, uh, Trail USA, was mentioned as an alternative for boys. My daughters and I have been members of their sister organization called American Heritage Girls. Isn't that the American Heritage doll, those wildly overpriced dolls that have gone woke? I do not know. American Girl doll. I'm pretty sure... You could just go ahead and Google real quick. American Girl Doll Woke. You'll see what I'm talking about. As a part of our oath, we promise to love God and honor our country. I'm so thankful there's still a scouting option for my girls that encourages them in their walk with Christ and encourages them to live out their faith on a daily basis. Once again, that name would be American, American Heritage Girls and Trail USA. Not to be confused with... American Girl Dolls. Correct. Did I, did, was I right about that? Yes. American Girl has angered parents with a book teaching kids about gender expression. Ah, another really smart email sent in from Leroy. We were talking about baptism, specifically Brandon Maya. Do you remember the young man? He's a quadriplegic. He loves the Lord. He wanted to be obedient and he got baptized and they didn't do it in the immersion manner because it would have wrecked his equipment and it could have really hurt him (laughs) because of everything that he needs to to be alive. So it would have just been dangerous. Listen to what Leroy wrote. This is from the Didache. There are a number of apocryphal and pseudepigraphal books that we reject as Protestants because they were never affirmed by the early church, only up into 1546, 1548 by the Council of Trent. 
uh, were those books affirmed by the Roman Catholic Church. But in the early church, there were books that were circulated that claimed to be inspired. And many of them are just bonkers. The one that is probably the least wacky and potentially the most helpful is the Didache. It's the teachings, didactic, you hear inside of the Didache, because it talked a lot about the early church practices. That doesn't mean that it is inspired writ, but it's instructive from chapter 7, verse 1, concerning baptize, thus shall ye baptize. So here's what we learned already when the Didache was being used and written that King James English was the tongue that they used. Having first recited all these things, baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit in living or running water. But if thou hast not living water, then baptize in other water. And if thou art not able in cold, then in warm I don't know why cold versus, but if thou hast neither, then pour water on the head thrice in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But before the baptism, let him that baptizeth and him that is baptized fast, and any also, any others also who are able. And thou shalt order him that is baptized to fast a day or two before. So it would seem that the early church take away the fasting but focusing on, they realized that there were some situations where we didn't have to enforce what I think is the biblical ideal, which is immersion. They understood that there were just some situations that demanded, well, it, that would be ideal, that would be best, but because of the situation, laws are made for man and not vice versa, we'll find another way to do it. Interesting email that was sent from this little boy. The Damage That Was Done by Bill Gothard. This is from Rebecca. Thank you for the video about Bill Gothard. I grew up in that and I'm 45 now. I just finally understood the gospel last fall. For me, it was understanding grace, which Gothard defines as the desire and power to do God's will. Oh, that ain't the gospel. He turned a gift into a work. I still cry thinking of how much God loves me after living a performative lifestyle for decades. Thrilled to pieces, Rebecca, uh, that the Lord has opened your eyes to his goodness and that he is a God of mercy and compassion and grace and abounding forgiveness. And if you found yourself influenced by the teachings of Bill Gothard and you thought that it was your works, that contributed to or kept you saved, great news, they don't, they can't, but Jesus works can. And if you have never trusted solely in the works of Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation for you. And until tomorrow, go serve your King.